Welcome to the Homeschool High School Podcast, brought to you by SevenSistersHomeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm your host, Vicki, and I am not here with Sabrina or the rest of the gang because we all happen to be doing interviews this morning. It was the first time we've ever had four interviews in one morning, and it's kind of weird, but fun. So I got the best one, I think. So we wanted to talk about what colleges are looking for in incoming freshmen. So if our homeschoolers wanted to apply to college, especially a state college, what are they looking for and how can homeschoolers prepare for going to a state college if that's their their goal? And so I thought to myself, self... It would be really nice if somebody that's really in the know, like maybe in charge of undergraduate studies at a state college, you know, if I could talk to someone like that. And then I thought to myself, self, your sister is associate provost at Murray State University in Kentucky, and she knows all these things. And so she could help us. And she's also an awesome person. So I uh, invited Renee to take time out of her very busy schedule to chat with us. So let me introduce you to Dr. Renee Duncan, the associate provost of undergraduate studies at Murray State University in Kentucky. So Renee, Renee, could you tell us a little bit about you and your job there at Murray State? Hi, Vicki, and hi, everyone. I'm real excited to be here. Uh, so what I do at Murray State is um, I make sure, my whole job is making sure that the undergraduate education experience of our students is the best it could possibly be. So at any university, what you'll find is that uh, the university is is kind of divided in half. One half is academic and one half is student support. Now there are all kinds of other things as well, finances and, and um, operations, things like that. But for students, it's the academic side and the student support side. And so I'm over the academic side when it comes to undergraduate students. And so what I do is I work directly with academic programs, I work with my colleagues in student affairs to um, help design programs that will uh, help students be successful at the university. Um, I work with high schools in the community. I do all kinds of things, but the ultimate goal is to make sure that the undergraduate experience at Murray State is the best possible. And when I say best possible, I'm, I'm focusing on our students getting what they need to get educationally, but also their experience within the academic programs, is that um, the best it could be? Yeah, that's one of the things I noticed when I visited down there at Murray, is it's such a friendly, supportive atmosphere. And I had a chance to talk to students and custodial staff and, you know, administration and professors, and all of them said that this is such a friendly, supportive school. Even the custodian said, I love working here because I am so well respected. Yeah. So I, I think it's such a, a cool thing for a state level college to value, you know, people and their, their experience and relationships. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, uh, about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, um, our uh, 
department that handles uh, public relations, they did a survey on campus to just get a feel for who Murray State is or what Murray State is. And they asked um, all the faculty and staff at the university to just give three words that describe Murray State. And the words that were most often given were family, community, and um, just relationship. And so it, it really does describe the culture of our university. And um, really that, in my opinion, that's what students need to look for when they're looking for um, a college or a university is first, of course, what, what academic programs do they offer? Can they get the degree they're looking for? But what's it going to be like when you're at the university or the college? And are you going to to be surrounded by cold people who, who are there for their paycheck and nothing more? Or are they going to be surrounded by people who are actually happy that they're there and like working with students? Which is really cool. So how on earth did you get your job? I mean, how many people are associate provosts of, of undergraduate affairs? So, like, Well, I'm kind of famous for just stumbling into <laughs> careers. <laughs> so, so, um, uh, so I started um, as, of course, an undergraduate student. Um, so do you want to go that far back <laughs> to my, my long and twisted story into associate provosthood? <laughs> So yeah, so you 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 went to University well, of Maryland somewhere, and then Florida State. Yes. Yes. So I started. I um, got my undergraduate degree at University of Maryland, um, and then I went to Florida State University to uh, get my doctorate degree. And I will say that um, I don't know if you know this, but. Um, you know, parents wrote me out of the will because I went to Florida State instead of I, University I was, of Florida. I was going to have to mention yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They'll still talk to me occasionally, but um, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so um, I have my degree, my doctorate in clinical psychology. And with, with clinical psychology, you have to do um, a residency or a, a, an internship um, after you finish. And so I went to the Medical University of South Carolina to do my residency. Um, and then I stayed there an extra year to do a postdoctoral fellowship. And um, then from there, uh, I had, in order to um, pay off the grant that covered my um, training, I had to agree to do a couple of years of teaching and research. And so um, I really kind of just stumbled into um, a job at Murray State University. And my plan was to stay, do those two years and get back east. Um, but what ended up happening is that this was such an amazing place that I never left. So I taught psychology for um, uh, quite a few years, became the chair of the psychology department, did that for 10 years while I still taught, and then um, after that, the provost, is, who's the head of academic affairs, um, invited me to apply for the associate provost position, and, and I um, managed to actually get that job, and so I've been doing this for uh, about eight years now. 
So that, that it, that's a really good story in helping young people who are thinking about career paths, that uh, they, they tend to be long and twisty roads. Yes, indeed. And so, so even if uh, a young person went into psychology, they may not go right into the field of practice only. And like you, you I know you had practice, and you know you did, yeah. you had an office and all those. But most of your career has been the academic part. Right, right. And I'll say too that before I majored in psychology, I had about 150 different majors um, <laughs> because I couldn't make up my mind. I thought I wanted to be a, an elementary school teacher. And I um, luckily, while I was an undergraduate, I volunteered as a tutor for a young person and realized that um, that was not the field for me. And so that's something I think everybody needs to do is to get hands-on experience because the last thing you want to do is spend your whole college career focusing on something that when you get out there in the real world, you find out that you hate it. Um, but, but I also want to add that um, it's okay to go into college not knowing what you want to be or what you want to do. Um, that's part of the, the joy of um, the first parts of your undergraduate career is getting exposed to different um, academic areas and different ideas. Um, that's part of the, the general education goal is to, to expose students to a bunch of different things. And um, so if you go in with that blank slate, um, that's okay. And you'll find something in, in um, universities have uh, people who it's their job to help students find a, a goal, find a major, find a career. And um, so, so it's okay not to know. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, is that I think most young people do actually switch majors at some mm -hmm. point, mm -hmm. and I, I know I, I had at least 150 majors myself <laughs> <laughs> before I really just, you know, like sucked it up and said, no, really, this runs in the family, I need to go into right. counseling, so... <laughs> Yeah. So, and, and the, you're right, like most colleges do have like career centers, but being in the classroom with college professors, the research shows is those professors, if they're good relationally with the students, that they have more lasting impact than a lot of their high school education. Yes, yeah. And actually, there's uh, amazing research that shows that students who talk to their professors, even if it's just saying, hey, in the, the hallway, um, are more likely to be successful in college than and satisfied with their college career than um, students who don't talk to their professors. And honestly, what uh, m my opinion, and this is just my opinion, um, that's one of the great things about the um, smaller universities is that um, at the smaller universities, you are being taught by professors 
um, rather than students. Um, and at the big universities, and I went to a big university and I got a fantastic education, but most of my classes were taught by graduate students. And that's fine, it's absolutely fine, but because we know how important that um, relationship with a, a professor, um, how that important that is and for mentoring and just getting to know somebody who's in the field that you're interested in, we know that's so important, so why not go to a college or university where that's more likely to happen? Yeah, that's uh, anybody that knows me has heard those words come out of my mouth a gazillion times. Not only the, the smaller schools you're going to get more relational opportunities with professors, but also the, the, the importance of talking to their professors and not just showing up at class and then going home. So Right, right, exactly. So, Renee, so if a student is applying to colleges and they want to make sure they're college attractive, let's go back. Let's say we've got a ninth grader. So a ninth grader is thinking, I want to go to a state college. I want that kind of education and those opportunities. So what, what would a high schooler need to do in order to be college attractive, especially to Murray State, but other state colleges? Yeah, so what you'll find is that at the big universities, um, they're going to be looking for um, really strong scores on the ACT or SAT or things like that. Um, they want to see that you did, um, took a, a lot of coursework um, that focuses on college prep. Um, and they're going to want to see a lot of activities like volunteer work and um, uh, sports and clubs and things like that. Um, so at the, the large universities, there's, there's uh, honestly, it's more competitive to get in. Yeah. At the regional universities like Murray State, um, these universities are created by the states to um, provide an education for um, people within the, the state as a whole. And so what you're going to find is that it's not as competitive. Now, despite that, the standards are still high, but it's not going to be as, as competitive for admission. So at the smaller universities, and this is public universities, I can't really speak so much for private universities. Um, so at a, a comprehensive regional um, state university like Murray State University, uh, what we want to see is are you going to be successful in college? And the best predictors of that are um, your coursework uh, that you had, um, you know, in homeschool or high school, wherever, um, and those good scores on, on the tests like the ACT and the SAT. Uh, those are the best predictors um, just number-wise, and so those are going to be the things that the smaller universities and colleges are going to be looking for. Now, does that mean that you don't have to get involved and do um, other things like sports or music or, or uh, things like that? Um, absolutely not, because once you arrive on campus, you're going to use all of those skills um, to be successful, because to be a successful college student, you have to be involved. 
involved. And so um, I hope that's not too convoluted an answer, um, but basically for, for just the admission parts, we need evidence that you're going to be successful. And that's going to be the most important thing. Um, and so that really is what we're looking for. Yeah, so the, the rigorous high school level coursework and the, the SAT or ACT scores. So as, as much as everybody hates the, the SATs and ACTs, they're, they're still important and uh, students have to, to prepare for those, but also good rigorous academics. Yes, yeah, and you do have to have that rigorous academic preparation um, if if you've gone through your high school career never having to think, um, then once you start taking college classes, you're going to crash and burn pretty quickly. And so, um, making sure that uh, that um, even the smartest students have been challenged uh, while in high school is going to be a really important thing. That that's it. Now for Murray, do the young people have to do an application essay? Like the, the kids on Common App are doing their college application essay? Right. Yeah. No, they don't. And so um, uh, I, if I were a student, that would actually make me happy. I think yeah. that I wouldn't have to do that. But I know that, that there are some schools that, that look for that. Um, but generally, the, the regional comprehensives, um, you're not going to see that as a requirement unless they use that common um, application. That's just, that's just part of the application. All right, so now I'm going to ask for an insider tip. Yes. Okay. I wasn't expecting this. So I didn't warn you ahead of time. Okay. So, so let's say we've got a high schooler who is a really good academician, does really, you know, high powered courses, um, you know, lots of honors, lots of rigor, um, and is just really stinks at taking those standardized tests. And so he gets in there to the SAT and has the flu and gets the, doesn't do the greatest job and, and uh, does the ACT and just kind of, you know, just doesn't stick it, you know. Um, are they doomed for getting into uh, Murray or is there, are there other ways to shine in the eyes of the admissions officers? Well, what I would suggest in a case like that is that um, the student, because there's unfortunately a lot of rigidity with rules, um, yeah. and so if the rule is that you have to have a certain score on the test, you have to have a certain score on the test. But um, there are almost always other tests that the student can take to, um, if the ACT didn't work out, you can take another one. So for example, in Kentucky, um, we have, uh, let's say you, you um, bombed the math part of the ACT or the SAT, which is pretty common, um, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. In Kentucky, we have a test called the Coyote. Um, it's the K-Y-O-T-E, um, K-Y for Kentucky, and I don't know what the rest of it stands for, but it's the coyote. And it is um, the coolest thing in the entire world. It was created specifically to um, 
so students could take it, find out where their problems are, gave, give them a lot of tutorials, and then they retake it. And what we're finding is that the scores on the Coyote actually are better predictors of success in the math classes than um, the ACT or SAT math scores. And uh, so a student could do that later. Um, the ACT and the SAT, they also have little um, uh, kind of makeup tests that aren't very widely publicized. And so um, there's one called the plan that it's really created for um, uh, adult students who are coming back to college. So it's much shorter um, and really quite different. Well, you know, the reality is a high school student who doesn't do well on the ACT or the SAT, they could take that too. And um, because it's kind of a different test, they're more likely to um, show that they can be successful than with that huge, overwhelming SAT or SAT. And so there are ways to um, get around the yeah, rules, yeah. but those rules they really are there um, and we can be a little stuck with them. Yeah, well, and that's just part of life. Yeah. But the one thing that homeschoolers are good at is being creative and yes. at working hard, so. Yes, well, and, and another thing to keep in mind too is that um, at the regional comprehensives, um, the admission standards are, are typically not nearly as steep as with the large universities. And um, even more importantly, community colleges are typically what we call open enrollment, which means that that um, pretty much anyone can go to a community college. And so you can start at the community college, you can spend a year there, or you can go ahead and get your, your two um, years of general ed done at the community college, and then it doesn't matter what your ACT or SAT are, and you transfer on into um, the university. And that's actually a, a fantastic way to, to go. It's typically less expensive than um, a university. Um, and you know you 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 are able to bypass the the um, uh, those admission requirements, and yet um, after you have that year or two, uh, you're you enter just like anybody else would. So uh, that's that's not a bad thing. So there's not one right way to handle college. Exactly. Yeah, lots of different paths. All right, so if you were talking to a homeschooler, because I know Murray State's a very homeschool-friendly college, yes. what advice do you give to homeschoolers in order to be college-ready? So um, as I said earlier, uh, make sure you're actually using and exercising your brain. Um, so make sure that if things are, are too easy, that you tell people that it's too easy and that you need to be challenged. One of the saddest things that would always happen when I was teaching our introductory psychology class is um, after the first test, I would get students, it would be homeschoolers and um, other students who were honor students in high school, they would come up to me crying because they made a D or an F on their first test. And, you know, they'd always made A's on everything. 
And then I'd say, okay, well, tell me how you studied for the test. And, well, they really didn't because they never learned how to study. Or they tried to just do rote memorization, which, you know, that just doesn't work. And learning how to memorize things isn't going to help you in life except for maybe remembering your grocery list. But, um, but in college, you're going to actually have to think think more deeply. And so start doing that um, when you are at home and doing your your coursework um, at home. So deeply thinking. Also, um, um, make sure that you are learning about other things that would interest you when you go to college. Start thinking about what you would want to do. Would you want to learn how to be a fencer? And I don't mean putting up fences. Do you want to learn how to sword fight? Um, Because colleges tend to have fencing clubs. Do you want to um, be involved in a caving club, you know, be a splunker? Um, You know, so start exploring those sorts of things. Uh, Just be active. Make sure that that, um, when you go to college, when you walk onto campus and you're not surrounded by the people you've always known that, that you're not, you make sure you're not going to be overwhelmed by that. Um, and so being exposed to um, different people and different ideas um, and different activities, that's going to be a really good thing. But the most important thing is think, 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 um, and make sure that you're challenged because that, that being challenged um, is going to be really, really important. Yeah. So there's uh, a course just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's challenging. Like it it may have a lot of busy work, but what you're talking about are courses that are challenging academically and help the students to to use those thinking skills and develop those. Right. Right. Yeah. We really encourage around here our kids to take philosophy and to do in their literature courses to do a lot of inferential work so that they are getting some of those skills in. Right, yeah, and that, that's, that's the key. And, and so um, being able to come up with questions about how the information applies to your own life, and that could be from literature to math to everything. So applying that information um, and how, how does that information um, help you look at the world differently or explain things in your life. And then also thinking more deeply um, about an idea or a concept. Um, So how did that get there? How did that concept get developed? And where does it go next? So how does that concept inform future thoughts or future decisions. And so that is really helpful. And I'll tell you something that I tell my students all the time, and this would be a great thing to start before you end up in college, is when there's a topic, especially if it's a little challenging, the student should try teaching that to someone else, even if they're teaching it to the cat. Um, or or to the couch or to mom or dad. Um, it, what you'll find is that when you try to teach something, you will discover what you don't know. Uh-huh. 
and then you'll know, ah, okay, I could not explain that to the cat. The cat was completely confused, and so I better go back and, and um, study more, ask questions. And so um, that's the best way to study for a test, and it's the best way to learn material is to, um, to, to focus on it and study it and think about it and then try to teach it. And then that's when you really, really get it. That is brilliant. So, all right, homeschoolers, you got that. So you're you're really studying to be able to explain it. You're studying to learn to think and have critical thinking skills, but also living life and being involved in things so that you're developing your interests. And when you walk onto campus, you're not overwhelmed by, oh, I'm not in my familiar territory. I can go get involved. And so those are Absolutely marvelous, very good. Yay. Okay, so so Dr. Duncan, um, if if young people would like to explore Murray State, um, where would they look? Okay, so we have a really user friendly web page. It's um, murraystate.edu, and Murray is spelled M-U-R-R-A-Y. So it's murraystate.edu. And the, the page that you'll go to is focused specifically for um, students who are interested in exploring Murray State. And so you'll be able to learn all kinds of information about the university. You can see great pictures and videos. And and if you are able to, you can arrange a visit to Murray State um, uh, from that web page. And uh, when students come to visit, the way we do things here at Murray State is um, not only do they get a tour of campus um, by one of our best students, so one of our student ambassadors, but students also will meet with a faculty member. And so um, if you have an area that you're interested in, then we'll arrange for you to meet one of our faculty members and talk about the program here at Murray State. And so it, it's nice to be able to start that relationship from, you know, even before you're a student, just um, being able to, to be here for um, and meet and greet and talk with uh, that particular faculty member. And of course, we love families to come as well. Um, usually, um, we'll have parents and siblings and uh, the, the potential student, everybody's there and it, it, it's um, loads of fun. And that, that really gives a feel for the college. So the talking to students, talking to staff, and, uh, and if the whole family's there, then they're getting the input from the whole gang. So that's right. Nice. Right. Yeah. And, and just as an aside, uh, if now Murray State's going to be a long drive from, from Maryland. Um, yeah. and, uh, but uh, it's actually worth the drive. We, we have the, the family, um, you can stay at our, the Land Between the Lakes, which is a beautiful, huge recreation um, area. And that's just 15 minutes away. And so you can go spend a couple of days there. Nashville, Tennessee is two hours down the road. Um, so you can go um, get a little honky tonk um, and uh, then visit. So you can make a nice little vacation um, out of your trip. Now, Murray State University is in the far western part of Kentucky. So it's a long haul across the state of Kentucky. Um, but it's, it's an absolutely beautiful area. And one of the, I think, kind of 
unique things about this part of the state and this part of the country um, and Murray State is that the people in this part of the country are much more family and community oriented than back east. Um, I, I, yeah. I really have been, uh, that was one of the things that, that surprised me so much when I came here is that um, uh, our students are very, very family oriented. And um, the, so it, it's, that culture is very strong. And also um, for your students who are very religious, Murray State is um, has a lot of Christian communities, a lot of organizations. The city of Murray is is really small, but we have about, uh, gosh, about a hundred churches on practically every corner. There's a church, and so pretty much any denomination you could look for. Um, but it's it's one of those campuses where that is highly valued by a, a probably the majority of the students and 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 the faculty as well uh so that that's uh, can make students feel uh very at home and very welcomed as well because they can start day 1 um being involved in in religious groups in addition to um just the regular old college groups and college teams uh, that they um, would want to be involved in. One other thing, um, just as an aside, that made me think, one of the other things that's really cool about Murray State is that um, we are um, a residential college-designed university. And what that means is that each student, is, and each student, each faculty member, and each staff member is assigned to a residential college. Now, for you and I, Vicki, um, we call them dorms. Um, well, we don't call them dorms anymore. And um, most universities have residence halls instead of dorms, uh, but they're dorms. Um, and uh, But at Murray State, they're residential colleges. And each residential college has a faculty member who's in charge. And um, each uh, faculty and staff is attached to one of the dorms. And the students get invested in the residential college and um, so each college has its own academic teams and sport teams and clubs and um, so I'm a member of Regents Hall, Regents College, so um, I'll go and do presentations and go to lunch and dinner with the um, the students over at um, Regents Hall. And so it's a really cool system. A lot of universities have um, copied our, our program. Are you still there? Uh, lost the call. Hi, Seth Tillman, editor of the Homeschool High School podcast here. The host and guest experienced some technical issues and unfortunately due to their schedules, were not able to complete the interview. However, since there is not one right way to end a podcast, I've been roped into doing it for them. So, here goes. Cue the music, me. This has been the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hi, Seth Tillman, editor of The Homeschool.
Hi, Seth Tillman, editor of the po- uh. Hi, Seth Tillman. Hi, Seth Tillman, editor of the Homeschool High School. Uh.